Today I want to talk to you about Jacob and Esau. Do you know about Jacob and Esau? Jacob is one of my all-time favorite stories in the Bible. Jacob, there's just so much cool insight and revelation that I personally have gotten from the story of Jacob. But with Jacob and Esau today, what I'm going to do is I'm going to be casting a large net. Believe me, I know. Don't just... You're going to want to stop in a spot and keep going down right there, and I'm going to keep moving forward. Don't get OCD about this, okay? We're going to move through a bunch of things. I'm going to tell a lot of stories, but I do know we could stop at any point in this story and drill down really, really deep. But that's the benefit of your quiet time with God, right? I'm still alarmed by the national statistics that we have about how many people read their church. I mean, read their Bible that go to church. Read your church. <laughs> we still have, right? <laughs> we still have an alarming issue about how many of you are actually spending time in your word throughout the week. Read your Bible, okay? An insatiable hunger for his word. That's what I want for you. But Jacob and Esau, the birthright and the blessing. Let's read about this. Genesis chapter 27, verses 1 through 10. It says, when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, my son? And he answered, here I am. Behold, I am old, and I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver, and your bow, and go out into the field and hunt game for me. We'll see this in a little bit, but Esau was the huntsman, the man's man, the wild man, the one who could take a bow, a pocket knife, and a spool of yarn and said, I'll see you in three weeks. I'm going in the wilderness to survive. He was just good at it, okay? That's who Esau was. So it was nothing for him to say, go get me something to eat. Go find something, kill it, and bring it to me. He says, prepare for me delicious food such as I love. You know what I like. He says, and bring it to me so that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. So I want, I want to bless you. He's getting Esau ready because I know I'm going to die soon, and I want to do this blessing and this ritual before time runs out. Now, Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. And when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebekah said to her son, Jacob, I heard your father speak to you, uh, to your brother Esau. Bring me game and prepare for me delicious food that I may eat it and bless you before the Lord, before I die. My son, obey my voice as I command. Go to the flock, bring me two good young goats so that I may prepare for them delicious food for your father, such as he loves. And you shall bring to your father to eat so that he may bless you before he dies. Pretty dark start to the story. The deception is already starting. We're going to try and insert Jacob where it's supposed to be Esau. <clears throat> this blessing that we're talking about in birthright well, let, let's define that really quick. A lot of you, I'm sure, already know this, but way back when, the birthright was what the patriarch or the father of the family would give to the oldest son traditionally. 
And whoever he gave the birthright to, that person, he, he would always bless and give some to all of his children, but the, the largest portion, by far the largest portion of the inheritance, the livestock, the money, the servants, all that stuff, was going to go to who got the birthright. And whoever got that birthright not only got the largest portion of the inheritance, they were also now leading the family. This was the decision maker. Uh, when there was problems, disputes, things like that, his voice was the judge, was going to call it one way or the other. This was the big deal. And the blessing was similar to that because it was a blessing that, that there are blessings that are given to all the kids, but there's a specific one that goes to the person that's getting the birthright. And it sealed the birthright on that person when that blessing was given. So this is, this is a big deal. This is no small thing that we're about to watch. Let's keep going. Genesis chapter 27. We'll jump ahead to 25 through 38. He said, bring it near to me that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So this is Jacob who snuck in. He's dressed like Esau. He put goat skin on to smell like and feel like him. Esau was something else. <clears throat> he brought it near to him, and he ate, and he brought him in wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him, and Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, see the smell of my son, as is the smell of the field that the Lord has blessed. It's gross, and also just tells you how deep this betrayal is. May God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mothers and sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. Isn't that powerful? And soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had just scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. He also prepared delicious food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, let my father arise and eat of his son's game. He's proud that you may bless me. His father, Isaac, said to him, who are you? He answered, I am your son, your firstborn Esau. Then Isaac trembled very violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it all before you came, and I have blessed him. Yes, and he shall be blessed. As soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, my father. But he said, your brother came deceitfully, and he has taken away your blessing. Esau said, is, not rightly, is he not rightly named Jacob? Because Jacob means deceiver, supplanter, grabber of the heel. In that context, that's who he was. For he has cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. Then he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? You hear the heartbreak? Isaac answered and said to Esau, Behold, I have made him lord over you and all his brothers. I have given to him for servants and with grain and wine, and I have sustained him. What then can I do for you, my son? Esau said to his, brother, uh, to his father, Have you but one blessing, my father? 
Bless me, even me also, Father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. It was a heartbreaking scene. Just the betrayal, the torment, the messed up nature in his family. We're going to be looking at a family that is really jacked up. As far as forefathers of our faith go and the bloodline that God used to build us, there is some jacked up stuff in the Old Testament. I mean, so are we all. But this is crazy. Jacob has to flee from here on out. Rebecca tells Jacob that, um, yeah, your brother Esau is only comforted by the fact that he's going to kill you. That's his comfort. That's his blanket right now. Mm, I'm going to murder Jacob. <laughs> they get him out of there. He runs and he goes and starts his journey. Can you trick God? No, you cannot trick God. But I have another question then. Why then does God bless Jacob? Because it may seem like a trick. And Esau's like, hey, Come on, like, why are you even honoring this? Like, why, why is Isaac weeping like this is final? It is final. You also may not know that when that blessing, that prayer that we just read, the kiss, the hands laid on, this might as well have been a contract typed out and signed. This has happened. But God, why would you honor that? Isaac says he will be blessed. And God does bless Jacob. And don't worry, we're going to get to Jacob. Jacob gets his too, all right? These are two knotheads with two very different stories. But why do you honor this birthright blessing thing here, God? Because it doesn't seem like something you would do. Always remember, God sees what you don't see. He knows that you don't know. His ways are not our ways. It's a, it's a big deal. But I want to go back. Genesis 25, let's go back a couple of chapters. 25, verse 27 through 34. It says, when the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Let's stop right there for a second. How, how messed up is that? I know you love your kids, but even in joking that I've heard sometimes throughout the years here, I really don't like when we hear, like, this is my favorite. That is potential for some really messed up things in the family. That sticks with kids. That might have happened to some of you that are grown already right now, and it already kind of messes with you that one sibling was favored over the other. That is a good recipe, as we see here, for people to pick sides, bring division, or for kids to grow up with something to prove and toward a show or stick it to one of the parents or something like that. That requires some healing on the inside. Make sure your kids know that you do not have a favorite. Little side note there. That is not healthy. It's not okay. That's not how God feels about us. Amen? But you can see there's that division there. Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew for I am exhausted. This is, therefore he is called Edom. Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. 
He did not miss an opportunity, did he? This is one of those things where I see Jacob is always trying to get something out of it, right? Typical sibling stuff. What are you going to do for me? I made this bowl of ramen all by myself. (laughs) And you want some? You know how siblings are. Sometimes gracious, sometimes horribly cruel. And the birthright. What? (laughs) What an... He's aiming high. I think it's a negotiating tactic. I think he's like, I think he always starts at the birthright, but it's like, where, where what am I really going to get out of this? Where are we going to end? You aim high where you know it's unrealistic, unbelievable, and you'll get higher than you thought you were going to get in the first place, right? Esau said, I'm about to die. What use is the birthright to me? Which is such a drama queen. You made it home. You're at your family's homestead. Like, you're not going to die, Esau. But Jacob's like, what? You're really going for this? He says, swear to me now. He's going for the kill. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew. Lentil stew? Mmm. Look, I know lentil stew is not the grossest thing on the face of the planet. I had some person at first service be like, hey, I like lentil stew. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, that's not the point. It's a birthright, and lentil stew is not that great. I don't care if you like it. It's pretty bland. Oh, no, you just got to put a little hot sauce in it. And so I'm like, like, we're not talking about prime rib seared medium rare with some garlic salt. But even there, it wouldn't be worth a meal. The birthright for a bowl of lentil stew. Don't forget the bread. (laughs) He ate and drank and rose and went his way. And it says, thus Esau despised his birthright. I asked you earlier, can you trick God? No, you cannot. Really, what God is saying, you can't trick me. Even if you don't mean to, or you don't know the things, you're not even aware of it, but I do. And he said, Esau, I know the type of man that you are. You sold your birthright. You despised it. You didn't like it. And you have been making decisions in ways that does not honor me. And I do not take this lightly. This birthright thing is a big deal. When I'm asking, avoid it up until this moment, what does the birthright mean for you and I? Because I don't have a super wealthy dad that's going to die and leave me 100 acres and a flock of goats. <laughs> or what? I'm sure there'll be some sort of inheritance, but that's not really what we're talking about here. Because we're all over the place in this room when it comes to inheritance from an earthly figure. Some, none, a great amount. We're talking about the birthright and the inheritance from the Father. What is promised to you? I'd like to point out that there's a whole lot of scripture that talks about wisdom and how to avoid things and Proverbs how you shouldn't be, what it means to be a fool. Stay away uh, from the temptress and the one that will get you trapped. Wants wants you to live a good life. 
so many scriptures about um, what a healthy marriage looks like. Men, how you ought to be treating your wives. And wives, how you should be treating your husbands. The way your relationship with your kids should be. Paul goes into, into detail about how we should represent ourselves everywhere we go. Talks about even like how we should treat our servants. Can I speak specifically to what your exact birthright is? No, that's God's job. But I can tell you this. Your birthright is a purpose that you can only know from God. Your birthright is a family that is healthy, a godly marriage, a good relationship with your kids, all the provision that you will ever need, plus some. Your birthright is something that is so solid and sealed that you can only get from God. It's untouched by even you unless we go to the Father. When Esau picked the bowl of soup over the birthright, that's like you picking pornography over a healthy sexual relationship with your spouse. Every time you go to bed and roll over angry instead of being able to apologize to your wife or just say, I'm sorry, and you let pride win, that's selling your birthright of your marriage. That's picking the soup. Every time you can't honor your parents, you, you fill in the blank. It's all the times we choose the things that are ungodly, that are so much lesser than the birthright that we would get from God. That, that's what this is a picture of here. And Esau doesn't learn his lesson here. I won't put it up. Let me just read this. At the end of chapter 26, so again, this is right before 27 where we started before this blessing was stolen. The last two chapters of uh, verses of 26 says, when Esau was 40 years old, he took Judith, the daughter of Beeri, the Hittite, to be his wife, and Basimath, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite, to be his wife. And they made life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. And, and translated, it says they had bitterness of spirit. The Hittite women might have looked a lot better than a bowl of lentil stew, but it's the same thing. You, you might have moved on from pornography or something simple that you feel like you can get over because you know better because these are people that were raised by a godly man. I mean, a Yahweh-centered family, right? But you know when you pick the job the person, the thing over what God has called you to do, you are still picking the Hittite or the bowl of stew that you are never supposed to be with. And you can find success. And I want you to be successful. But success does not necessarily mean success with God. And bitterness of spirit and sorrow can still follow you. It'll make you bitter in your success. And people will be bitter around you. Some of you have already found someone to be bitter with. Complain, whine, whatever it is. God is saying, I have a birthright and I'm trying to do something here, Esau, and you do not fit the bill for what I'm, what I'm looking for. 
Come on, if you're churched, you've heard this a lot. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and that would have been Esau. It should have been the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. But God had something else going on. He sees, he knows. This isn't going to work out, Esau. You are entrenched in your ways. You despise what I'm trying to give you. And why does he despise it so much? Does it have to do with it not being here fast enough? Is it our impatience for receiving what we think we should be receiving? The hunter, right? The woodsman. The man who can make it happen, who have relied on his gifting time after time after time. Are you really good at what you do? You're really skilled, really talented, really gifted? Is that what you've been leaning into for your identity? It takes the one day that you are relying on that again instead of relying on God for you to come in and your giftings have failed you. And in that one day of failing, that's when you're going to pick the lentil stew. Because your dependency was not on God. It was on your own strength. He has no relationship with the Lord. And so he takes the very first thing that looks good to him. Because he's dying. He's unsatisfied. He's empty. You let go of the promises of God that he has for you because you can't weather the season right. And there it goes. I see it. I want it. I go after it. Do you even bother asking God? Does his opinion mean anything to you? So he doesn't learn that lesson. And God moves forward. And Jacob does, I mean, he gets blessed and he becomes the one. And we're going to talk more about that. But Jacob gets his two in the way of deception. The deceiver is going to get deceived for the rest of his life. He gets deceived when it comes to finding his wife, has to marry someone he doesn't even want to marry because he gets tricked by somebody and has to work another seven years to get the one that he wants. He gets deceived by his sons and they lie about Joseph. And he gets deceived by Joseph all the way at the very end when he brings him into Egypt the whole time. But it's just deception after deception after deception. We got to stop acting like there's not consequences on this side of eternity, folks. Your decisions do have consequences, even with the grace of God. There are consequences for our actions. I promise you I want to take you somewhere good. <laughs> I promise you this ends with blessing and restoration. But brokenness is a part of our journey. And if you avoid the brokenness and the pain, you won't learn the lesson that God wants you to learn and ultimately can't live out the birthright. And then I also ask the question is, what, why do we do these things? I mean, Jacob and Esau, they took different paths, but it was still the same thing, self-serving, making it happen on their own, right? I ask this because I even wonder what my own motivation is because I, like you, make bad decisions. I have regrets in my past. Wonder why. I mean, when Paul talks about I do the things that I don't want to do and the things I want to do I don't do, like the struggle is real. Well, what are some of our motivations? I mean, I want to cover these things. I like this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. 
He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What is he talking about right here? In the few verses before this, he's dealing with the idea of, well, what if I don't have enough food? Or what clothes am I going to wear? What provision? I mean, do you have a scarcity mentality? Are you worried about being provided for? Is it like, if I don't do this, it won't be, get done? I, I don't want to take away from your ability to achieve and to go forward and to strive, but you've got to be careful about that. Passivity is bad. But self-sufficiency is bad, too. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and righteousness, and everything will be taken care of. I thought about calling this uh, sermon Jacob, Esau, and David. I'm not going to read about David. I'm just going to tell you about him. You can read about David on your own. But one of the things we really liked about David, and David is considered a hero in the Jewish community all the way up to Christ's time and on therefore. He was called the apple of God's eye. And David made a really bad choice later in his life too, didn't he? <laughs> Bathsheba. <laughs> Adultery and murder came out of that situation. And even David never fully recovered from that. He was lesser the man in his later years than he was in his former because that thing tainted him, unfortunately so. Yet, he was still the apple of God's eye. Why is this? Well, there is one super discernible note that I see in all of this. And although we don't have every moment of their lives, lives chronologically written out so we know exactly every decision that they made. So it's like, Aaron, don't be too harsh on him. But what I know about David is as a young man when he was in the field by himself, not the king, not the giant slayer, just David the shepherd, what did he do? What did he do? Somebody. He wrote songs to God. He worshiped him. He spent time with the Father. He loved the Father. The intimacy was there. When he did become king, when he did have authority, when he was in the spotlight, he was so concerned about building the kingdom the right way. When it was time to attack, what did he say? God, do I attack? Everything was worship. He cared about the opinion of his father. I don't hear that in any of Jacob or Esau's story. I don't see any of that. I don't see a lot of that in Isaac. We saw a lot of it in Abraham. We're not really going to see that type of character again until Joseph comes on the scene. This is a big deal. Is understanding that intimacy and a love for the father is what's going to open up the door for you more than anything. Your private time with God. You can't trick him. What's the difference between Esau and Jacob? Jacob meets God. That's what I see. Genesis chapter 32, again, I'm going to tell you about it. I'm not going to read all this, but he has a wrestling match with pre-incarnate Christ. <laughs> what? <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Like, it's not like a real. <laughs> but he meets him. He's alone. Again, 
Jacob is having, he's going to have to meet his brother all these years later. It's a lot of years later, but the last time he saw him, it was not going to be good. So he sends ahead of him tons of goats and gold and all these things as a gift to try and soften the blow. He even sends his family away ahead of him. Just again, trying to manipulate the situation again for an outcome that works for him. And he's alone. And God meets him in this place. And he begins to wrestle with God. And then he won't let him go. He says, release me, it's time. And he's like, no, I won't let you go unless you bless me. And God does bless him. He does. And you know, he, he says, you get victory here. But it's not because God couldn't beat him in a wrestling match. He's like, you're getting victory because I have given you victory. And there's parts of you that I see that I really, really like, but there's parts of you that I see that I really do not like. That is why I'm going to touch your hip it's going to be popped out of socket, and it's never going to go back in for the rest of your life. You're going to walk differently from here on out. Because here's the thing, Jacob. I haven't been entirely blessed by how you have been making your decisions. Your birthright is something I want to honor, and I'm going to use in you. But you have to do things differently from here on out. It's going to change. You know, your birthright is only a birthright because it comes from the Father. That's the only place you can find a birthright. You don't get it from someone else. Jacob, you have no idea the birthright that I have for you compared to what your earthly father has. You can't even imagine. But in order to get this birthright, there are some things inside of you that need to change. Things we got to let go of, a surrender that has to happen in you. No more running and sprinting ahead and doing things your way. You're not running anywhere now. You have got to start operating differently in your thoughts. And he says, I'm not passing on soon like Isaac. I can't be tricked like your parents. You can't deceive me. I'm not giving it to the next best thing that might just be around. Something has to change. What does he do? Come on, what, what's, what's the big thing that happens here? He changes his name. You can't stay the same. And I'm going to do something that no one else can. I'm going to rename you entirely. No longer Jacob Israel. This is where the birthright really starts to take shape. The promise that has come from the forefathers before him. The idea here is Israel, his 12 sons are going to become the 12 tribes of Israel and that lineage which creates the people of God. I want to do that in you, but this is going to require change inside of you and you are not allowed to stay the same. You can't afford to be choosing things like your brother did. It will rob you of your testimony and disqualify you of so much of your birthright. I'm taking away your self-sufficiency, Jacob. What, what's the overall takeaway that I have for you here? I want you operating in the birthright and the promises that God has for you. I want you executing that in your own life. 
I started to taste a little bit of this blessing when I was a very young man. My mom and dad were God-fearing people, grew up in the church, but how many of you know it becomes important for your relationship with God to become a thing and not your parents' relationship with God to be a thing for you? That's my number one goal in youth ministry. I'm trying to get these kids to meet God on their own before they, if they can hear God on their own, which sometimes, honestly, I still feel like I'm a little crazy when I say that, even in the church, when I say I heard God's voice, like I'm the only, there's a handful of us doing it. Like it's not hard. You have to prioritize it. You have to want it, but he wants to speak to you, be with you. This started at a young age with me, and I still was reasoning like Jacob and Esau who grew up in a place where they should know better, but I was still striving to make it happen. I didn't want to be alone. I wanted to be married even to a good woman, a godly woman, but it was still my choice. I wasn't surrendered in every area of my heart, so this got me involved with someone that wasn't supposed to be the one, and it cost me my heart and my body and a a couple of years of my life, and it was devastating to me, but God met me in that area and in that season of brokenness. And he said, this is just the start of something new where I really want to give you a blessing where you have to stop worrying about making all these decisions yourself and trust me. Lay it down and let it go. And what started right after that was my calling. I was dead set on the military. The Navy, in fact, I had lots of Navy and Marines in my family. I was gonna, I took the test, had everything signed, but the couple of T's and I's that needed to be dotted, I wanted to become a helicopter pilot, do that for a while, and then try and see if I could do the Navy SEAL thing. Me and my buddy both, we were all in. God said, no, you're going to go to Bible college. It's like, don't like that. (laughs) But God, this is what I know. This is in my family. I've seen how they've been successful. I'd be good at that. And I've seen my family get set up for jobs after the military too. That's what my dad did. Yeah, but that's not what I want you to do. This is not what I have set up for you. I don't know. I wouldn't have the amazing wife and children that I have right now if I wouldn't have been obedient to God. Long before I knew Crown Point, Indiana existed on the face of the earth in southern Louisiana, little podunk Laplace. And now I find myself... In this season, was such a burden. You want to know why I'm in the parking lot? Because I care so much about every aspect of how we steward what God is doing in this place. But I feel a burden that's so big that I cannot carry it. I feel a burden that I can't carry, and I find myself going to the Father again, asking him to rename, <laughs> to speak in a way that only he can to address my burdens, to address my pain, to make sure that I'm calling myself by my real name. That's what he wants to do with you. That's what I want you to do. I want you to surrender and seek intimacy. I want you to ask him to rename your issues and your problems and to speak truth in the things that you desperately need him to speak truth into. that process hasn't happened in your life, you're still striving on your own rather than striving with God. 
If you don't do this, I want to remind you of Esau's bitterness. You'll miss out on the birthright and the promises that God has for you, and you can find success in the world, but bitterness will run through you, and you'll find emptiness in a lot of these things. Hollow victories in your success. I don't want you to miss that birthright. What's amazing, so when he's talking to Jacob, he's like, I didn't die. He's like, but for you and I, Christ did die. You have access to an inheritance because Christ died on the cross and made a way where there was no way. And the Bible says you and I were adopted by grace through faith, co-heirs in Christ. Your marriage, your relationship with your kids, a provision that God has for you, a purpose that you cannot know on your own is just waiting there for God to just say, here, 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 more than you could ever think. An adventure that you cannot fathom lays just at your feet. I just need you to say yes to me and surrender and go after these things. I got one more scripture I want to share with you. This is how I want you to remember this. First Peter chapter 5. Verse 6 through 10. He says, humble yourselves. Do not let your pride stay any longer. You've got to humble yourselves. You don't really have it all together. You're not always right. You're not the strongest, brightest, best. Got the f- it's okay. You don't have to be those things. Let that wall down. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you. At the right time. It's another thing I love talking to our youth about every season. They can probably roll their eyes right now, because almost every Tuesday night, I'm like, in due season. Wait. Wait. Nine times out of ten, we're talking about relationships. Wait. Not going anywhere. If this is the right person, you're gonna get married and spend the rest of your life together, do it right in the beginning. Wait. Your heart out of it flow the wellsprings of life. Protect it. Wait. Hear God before you pursue who you're gonna spend the rest of your life with. Wait. That's a little more important. In due season, there's things you're just gonna have to wait for. Don't be impatient like Esau and Jacob. Esau couldn't wait, so he got rid of it and chose the next best thing. Jacob couldn't wait. He leaped on any opportunity he could to deceive and make it happen. Don't be like Jacob and Esau. Spend time with God and let him speak to you. Find solace and comfort in his word and in counsel of wisdom with with people who have experience. And in due season at the proper time, you don't decide the proper time, he does. The proper time, he may exalt you. Casting all your anxieties on him. Hallelujah. I love, again, that message that Pastor Keith preached. I'm going to cast all my anxieties and worry. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. Because he cares for you. Of course he does. He's our heavenly father. He delight, he didn't need to make you. You existing doesn't help him in any way. He just delights that you're here. He sent his son to die for you. Of course he cares about you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. 
Resist him. Firm in your faith. Come on, resist him. I know that bowl of soup or the Hittite woman might look good right now, but what are the promises of God? The devil's just waiting for you to make a mistake so he can gobble you up and get you back out of the way. He wants you disqualified. Knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brothers throughout the world. You're not alone, and yes, suffering is part of it. That's part of our faith. Nowhere does it say being a Christian excludes you from this. In fact, it all but guarantees that you are going to suffer. But that is the only way we're going to experience certain fruit in our life. We join in that suffering with him as we pick up our cross daily. But this is the best part. After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, I want to answer that call, don't you? Will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you? He wants to restore you. So anything you've been feeling guilty or pressured about while I've been talking, let him restore something inside of you today. Let him, let him strengthen inside of you where you have been too weak and trying to make things happen on your own or feeling like a failure. This is where he wants to come in and bring strength. He wants to confirm you. Yes, this is what I want you to do. I would be going crazy like maybe a lot of people are when they don't know how to make decisions or figure out what to do with their life. I couldn't do that. I saw the one bad mistake I made with a girl, and I'm like, I have to do this for the rest of my life and make decisions? I was paranoid with making the wrong call, leaping on the wrong thing. He says, I will confirm in you everything that you need to have confirmed. I want you to go back to intimacy, spending time with me and hearing my voice and knowing that he will speak to you all that you need to hear. Strengthen, confirm, restore, and establish. Why? He's a good father. He wants his kingdom established. He wants testimony and his glory to be shown. And he wants you to do well as a good father wants of his children. Yes, he wants to establish you. You may not like every aspect of the journey that he takes you on, but he knows exactly what he's doing, and this is where you're going to get the best call and purpose for your life. It comes through that birthright that only comes from the Father. Christ died so you can have access to this. Some money? <laughs> I mean, that's nice if it's part of it, but you know this is much bigger than that. And we get one life to do this right. So stand up and let me bless you. God, I just pray for your people right now, Lord. I do pray that you will bless them and cover them, God. I thank you, God, that no matter what anyone says, whatever they feel, Lord, they have access to you because of what you did on the cross, God. And I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would just be moving and acting on so many hearts in this place, Lord. If you're one of the people in here that feels like you've never had that meeting with God like Jacob did, 
you don't know him, you've never been renamed and called a son or a daughter, I believe today is that day where you give your life to him and you let him speak to your circumstances and speak to who you were so that you know who you are. He'll redefine things that no one else can redefine. I am absolutely against condemnation, but I am okay with conviction. If you are feeling areas in your life where you've been choosing the lentil stew over the birthright, come on, today is the day where we're going to get some breakthrough. When the service is over, come on, I want you to come up and talk to some of our prayer team, our ministry team, our elders. Just break through there where we're going to confess some things or deal with some issues. But I want you to stop choosing things that will keep you from living in the fullness of your family's blessing. Thank you, God, for healthy marriages, good godly relationships with children and parents. Thank you, God, for your provision, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that there are ways through the storms, that there are ways through the hard times and the difficult times, God. Continue to speak to us and help us to position ourselves in a way that we'll be blessed by you, God. We want to know you. That's what this is really about. More than the blessing, it's the intimacy. God, I don't, I don't want things. I want time with you. I want to know you. I want to surrender all that I am and be drawn to you, Lord. Take away bitterness in them. Emptiness, loneliness. Bless your people, God. Let this place be marked for the kingdom of God and that people who would come across you would know that you are different, you're touched by something else, a life and a light that no one else has, God. Bless them, Lord, and cover them. Speak to them this week and give them an insatiable appetite for your word, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Be blessed. Read your Bibles. Come get prayer if you need prayer. In Jesus' name.